What is the Spirit? Who is the Spirit? How do we know who the Spirit is? We know by the Scriptures. We know because the Church Fathers knew what the Scriptures said. And He's in our midst. But unless He is feelingly in our midst, unless He is consciously in our midst, that is, we're conscious of it, He might as well be somewhere else. All right, all right. Well, good morning, everybody. How we doing? Okay. I was like, that's about 60%. That's good. That's good. It's better than, better than 10%, which is about the effort that uh, I saw from some football teams yesterday. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. The first week of the year, I, I got a lot of flack for Mississippi State beating LSU. And, um, and every week that they lose, that becomes a worse experience for me. Am I right? Did Mississippi State score two points yesterday? <laughs> a safety? <laughs> that was it, huh? <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. I'm glad that Kentucky has a better defense than LSU right now. That's awesome. <sighs> I actually just found that out about, uh, about 30 minutes ago, so, um, so I'm still reeling from it. But um, all right, putting that aside, uh, my name is Jordan. I'm the pastor here at Northwood Church, one of many pastors here at Northwood Church. And so, uh, so on behalf of the entire church, if it's your first time here, we're excited that you're here. We really are a uh, big group of people serving Jesus, loving people. And uh, so welcome. Look, I do want to say hello to Ocean Springs. We are so excited about what God is, is doing and what he's going to do in Ocean Springs. And so we're glad to have you with you. Um, uh, I, honestly, there's a part of me that wants to be there right now. Seems pretty exciting, all right? But, uh, but anyway, we're here in Gulfport, and so it's going to be good. If you're watching online today, welcome in. Excited that you're with us as well. Uh, we've got a lot of different people all over the place. Uh, whether you be here, uh, feel good uh, meeting together, or whether you're still meeting at home uh, online, we are, uh, we're excited about what God is doing here at Northwood Church. And I'm excited about this series, and we're going to be jumping right into it here in a moment. But before we do... Um, I want to let you know about something coming up next Sunday. If you've been coming for a little while, you've been kind of kicking the tires a little bit. Uh, maybe you've been coming for quite a while. <laughs> I know sometimes uh, maybe two or three years. And, uh, and you're wanting to kind of take your next steps here at Northwood Church. Um, I want to invite you out to our Next Steps class next Sunday morning, uh, immediately following the, the, uh, the service here uh, in, in Gulfport. If you, if you hang out, you know, through these doors and take a left. There's a Next Steps classroom there. And uh, I want to meet you, talk to you, and let you know who we are as a church, what we're doing, and how you can be a part. It's sort of like the nuts and bolts of Northwood Church. And so I'd love to invite you out next week. Um, if you've got kids here and they're in the kids ministry, uh, we will actually take care of them a little bit longer past the service, all right? All in all, it's about 45 minutes or so. And, uh, but anyway, I want to make sure that all of you know about that. If you're watching online, next week would be a great time to come. And uh, again, kind of see what's, what's going on here at the church. So sound good? Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. All right. So what do you believe? Uh, Tom just kind of laid it out exactly what's going on, what we've been talking about for the last few months. It's very, very important. Uh, for some people, this series is, is eye-opening. It's, it's confronting a lot of different uh, belief systems that you have. Um, for others of you, this is a big confirmation of a lot of the things that you've heard for many, many years. Uh, I grew up in church, and so a lot of the things that, that we're talking about I've known about, like I knew about growing up, but the, 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 I guess the, 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 the moving through it, uh, 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 through this logical pattern, maybe is a little bit different for some of you. I think sometimes we throw out a lot of things, uh, sort of like shotgun, right? We just, we just shoot a shotgun at, at the things that we believe, but sometimes we've got to slow down. 
And we've got to methodically move through what we believe and why we believe it. And uh, I do agree that in this time, in this day and age, uh, there is a, a new approach to thinking, a new way of reasoning uh, or not reasoning in some instances. And so uh, for a new generation, we've got to kind of readjust our thinking and, and, and reaffirm what we believe. And so here at Northwood Church, our mission is to help people know God. And that's a broad statement because it's a broad situation. So we want to help people know God in many different ways. And uh, we believe that God makes himself known to us through the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And so week one, we studied, what do you believe about God? Uh, I'm sorry, month one. The second month, we studied, what do you believe about Jesus? All right. And now this month, we're studying, what do you believe about the Holy Spirit? All right. Now, last week, uh, in case you didn't catch it, I would highly encourage you to go back and listen to the sermon because we talked about the spirit and how the spirit a lot of times is sort of um, kind of weird and mysterious and ambiguous, right? Uh, and here we are in the month of October. Come on, it's Halloween. And so we're all about spirits, at least this month. If it's not any other month, this month, we're all good with believing in the spiritual realm. Uh, you know what I'm saying? We've got the ghosts and all the stuff going on. But, um, but there's a lot of different spirits. And so we want to make sure that we're following the right spirit, the Holy Spirit, correct? So with that, we're going to dig into week two. And uh, today we're going to answer the question, who is the Holy Spirit? Now I say we're going to answer the question, but as normal, anything that we talk about, there's always a, there's more to the story. There's always more going on than what we're able to cover in 35 minutes, but we're going to try really hard to do a good job of, of covering who is the Holy Spirit. And uh, why do we feel like we have to answer this question or ask this question? It's because there's a whole lot of misunderstanding misunderstanding about who the Holy Spirit is. And there's different reasons for that. One would be that we don't take the time to read what the Bible has to say about the Holy Spirit. It's funny to me, some people wanna know God, they wanna know about God, they wanna know about Jesus, but yet they, they've stopped short of reading the word of God that actually does a really good job, okay, of, of explaining uh, uh, these, these large concepts. And so, so for some of you, you might have a misunderstanding of the Holy Spirit because you, you simply just don't read the word of God enough for the word of God to speak to you and to explain itself, right? The word of God to explain itself to you, okay? That's one reason. Another reason is that some of the activity in the Bible and in some churches credited to the Holy Spirit, it seems quite odd. And what I mean by that is, um, you know, if you read the Bible, just read one story, you might see this, you know, the Holy Spirit do something and it seems a little strange and it's like, whoa, I don't want to get close to that, right? Or maybe you've gone to a church or you've been around people that are, um, <clears throat> they're not just supernatural. Uh, they're, they're in one, one sense, a, a man named J.I. Packer said, he said, they're super supernatural. And um, I think it's kind of funny because it's like, you know, some people are like believe in the supernatural, but like it, it's not enough. It needs to be like, like hyper, super, supernatural. And there's always like, like some mysterious other thing. And, and then sometimes people play that out in church services or in their life and, and it gets weird. It gets weird. And that's why Paul in 1 Corinthians 14 kind of lays out how we should actually do these things in order, right? But, but some things get a little bit strange. Another, another reason I think is because we're not built to, to think about a spirit as a person, 
So a spirit is like what? A, a cloud or, or a smoke or something, right? Uh, a, a bed sheet, you know, put it over somebody's head, like, ooh, a ghost? I'm not sure, you know? We have these different pictures of what a spirit is. And so we don't really relate personally to a spirit. And I think that's why it's important that we talk about who is the Holy Spirit, because we are to relate to the Holy Spirit as a person. Now, the Holy Spirit shows up in the Bible in many forms, in many forms. At creation, the Spirit hovered over the darkness. Uh, he does uh, uh, show himself as a cloud in the Bible, oil. Anytime you're reading the scripture, whether it be in the tabernacle or, or whenever somebody was anointed with oil, that represents the Spirit of God. Um, as a dove, the Holy Spirit represented himself, uh, revealed himself as a dove or, or likened to a dove at Jesus' baptism. Um, now, we have a dove as the, the logo for the series, but like the Holy Spirit's not a bird. So, all right. <laughs> um, also a wind. Jesus talks to Nicodemus, talks about the things, the spirit. And, 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 and in the Bible, you see this, uh, this, this thing about the spirit being the breath of God or pneuma. Or, uh, there's all these different words that mean a bunch of different things, but it's really talking about the same person and it's the Holy Spirit. So despite these forms, we relate personally to the Holy Spirit. And that's what I hope to do today as we talk through this. Um, now, one thing that we just sang, and one thing that we say, we say quite often is that the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. The Trinity. Um, just by a show of hands, really quickly, I'd love to know how many of you have ever really studied the Trinity, the doctrine of the Trinity? Yeah? A good amount of you. Now, uh, out of those of you who raised your hand, how many of you feel like you completely understand the Trinity? Oh, wow, okay. Well, I'm gonna take this microphone off so you can come and teach it because um, <laughs> great theologians who have studied the Trinity for, well, centuries, still there's some uh, about the Trinity. It's kind of difficult to completely understand the Trinity and that's kind of the way that it is, all right? So we're gonna talk about the Trinity today. What does this mean? The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. Um, well, ultimately, the church has been trying to logically define this doctrine for centuries and still fails to totally and completely define the Trinity. And so I wanna, I wanna give you three statements that really summarize the biblical doctrine of the Trinity. And it's three, these three statements. Number one, God is three persons, Three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? Each person is fully God, 100% God. And there is one God. And so if you're looking at this, it almost seems like there's a little bit of contradiction here, right? I would say it's not contradiction, but there is tension. Sort of like uh, if you picture a three-legged stool, okay? If, if you have a two-legged stool, it's kind of weird, okay? It's kind of hard to balance. If you have a one-legged stool, that's not a stool. It's just a pole with a piece of wood on top of it. I don't know, but, but it's not a stool. It, it can't support any weight. But whenever you put a third leg there, you're able to support this. And so I look at these three statements, sort of like three uh, legs of a stool that supports the doctrine of the Trinity. And each is to be held in tension. All right, so y'all good? All right, cool. Let's move on to uh, the next point. No, let's kind of dig a little bit deeper into this, okay? There's one God, three persons. And, uh, but another important statement to know is this, is that the Father, Son, and Spirit are equal in power and in glory. They're equal in power and in glory. There's not one who has greater 
power or ability or value than another. The Father, Son, and Spirit are equal in power and glory. Three distinct persons, but yet one being, one nature, one essence, or Godhead all at the same time. Now y'all remember back whenever we talked about God and Jesus, we talked about the essence of who God is, his character, his attributes. God is Jesus, is the Holy Spirit. They're the same being. They come from the same essence. They are the same substance. There's not like, like the Father over here and the Son over here and the Spirit over here who have different wills and essence and, and, and attributes. No, no, no. We know the, the nature of God because we know the nature of Jesus because we know the nature of the Spirit. Because like, You see what I'm saying? They, they all support one another. It's not a good one over here and a bad one over here or a loving one over here. Does that make sense? They're all the same essence. So this concept of equal value with different functions and order is really a wonderful example of not only the Trinity, but it's a great example of the family and the church and really humanity in many ways. The concept of equal value, but different functions is something that a lot of times we, we misinterpret. For instance, in the family, is a husband more valuable than a wife? That's it. Easy question. No. no. Okay. <laughs> like, well, I don't know. Is, uh, I don't know where you're headed with this. <laughs> no, gosh, no. <laughs> is, the, is the wife more valuable than the kids? Are the kids more valuable than the parents? No, in some families it might feel that way, but, but no, there's equal value. But are there different roles? Absolutely. It would be weird if the kids started telling the parents what to do. That was like a little bit of a side zinger for you. If your kids tell you what to do, things are out of order. But anyway, um, there's different functions, there's different roles, and, 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 and that's a, that, that brings order, right? If, if there's a, a misunderstanding of what these roles are, then there's, there's a lack of order in the home. And so there's this wonderful order that we see in the Trinity of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They, they have different roles, but they are of equal power and glory and value, right? So we're gonna kind of dig a little bit deeper into this because the, these concepts get a little bit uh, confusing at first glance. And for a lot of people, we're gonna get to, why does it even matter that this, that this matters? Like, why are we even talking about this? And we'll, we'll see some, some errors in, these thing, in the way that we can think through this. But how does the Trinity play out in the gospel? Let's use the gospel as an example with these different roles. Number one, God, the Father, is the source, sender, and planner of salvation. Number two, Jesus, the Son, is the means, sent one, and achiever of salvation. And then the Holy Spirit, the Spirit is the revealer or the applier of salvation. And so there's these different functions, even in how the gospel is, the good news of God kind of plays out or applies. And throughout this series with the Holy Spirit, we're going to kind of dig a little bit deeper into how he, uh, how he reveals and applies salvation to our lives. But what are some of the doctrinal errors when it comes to trying to explain the Trinity? Some of the things that I'm about to say, many of you have probably said yourself, or you might be like, oh, that makes, that makes sense. And then we're going to see why it might be an error couple of poor illustrations of the Trinity. 
three states of water. That there's a, a solid liquid and a gas, but it's all water in different forms. And I know many times, how many of you ever heard, you've ever heard that illustration used, right? And, and there's a, a part of it that seems uh, accurate and, and it's a good effort, but it still falls short because no given drop of water is in all three states at the same time, right? So it changes. And really what it's called, it's called modalism, right? It's this, it's this heresy of modalism. And it says that God appears in different modes or roles at different times. So he's not existing all at the same time. He, he, he expresses himself in three different modes at separate times. But the accurate view, the thing that we believe is that God is both three and one at the same time. See, it's a nuance, but we'll see why it begins to break down here in a second with some of these other illustrations and why it's so important. Uh, another one is three links in a chain. Three links in a chain and they all connect one to another. And then you have a chain, but it's these three distinct links. And, and again, good try, but uh, that's, all, that's called tritheism, which is that God is not only one thing, but three different things tied together. It's just kind of tied together, kind of wound together, stuck together, but not all one thing. We believe that God is only one thing, one substance, not three different joined in some way, right? We believe in the Trinity, Trinitarian doctrine. Another one is a human analogy, the body, soul, and spirit. We're uh, one person, we're made up of three different parts, right? The body, soul, and the spirit, but it makes up our, our one person, right? And, and one being. But this is inaccurate because three parts that, that, it's about three parts that make up one. Whereas the accurate view is that the human soul, uh, in regards to the fact that they separate at death, that would be inaccurate. So God never separates part of himself from himself. So whenever you die, your body and your soul will be separate. So therefore, you're not really one. See what I'm saying? You have three different parts. And so it's just another form, another uh, way of, of kind of expressing an error again. How about this one? One actor playing three different roles. One actor playing three different roles. And this is inaccurate because it's modalism again. <laughs> One person changing roles. Um, anytime that I say modalism, um, there's this YouTube video that we've watched quite a few times. And uh, we actually, we almost showed it today. It really did. And uh, Pastor Steven, he's watching right now, I know. And like, we, we almost showed it, but like, it was, a, it was kind of, it was super, it's, it's very sarcastic and some of you might not like it. But anyway, uh, what he says is, there's this one individual that keeps trying to use all of these different analogies and his name is Patrick. And they're like, that's modalism, Patrick. You know, so, so here we are, we, we like go in these circles and we try to explain things and we end up right back in a different heresy by try, trying to, uh, to give a good explanation of it. It's modalism, right? So, so we believe that there are three different persons who exist and perform at the same time, yet share only one divine essence. Not three different people, not three different persons with different wills and essences, but one individual being. Let's go to some better illustrations of the Trinity. A triangle. Everybody know what a triangle is? All right, let's get back to something that we can all relate to. Um, a triangle, three, three different lines with three different angles that form a perfect triangle. You change one of the degrees, you no longer have a perfect triangle, correct? You take away one of the pieces, you don't have a triangle. You have something else. This would be an illustration, a good, a better illustration of the Trinity. One figure, but yet has three different sides at the same time simultaneous threeness. 
How about this one? One to the third power or one cubed. One times one equals one, right? How about looking at it like that? One to the third power. God is three ones in one. Not one plus one plus one equals one or one plus one plus one obviously equals three. At least it used to. Not sure nowadays. But... Um, <laughs> Things are getting weird, y'all. Uh, this, is tri- this, is, this is tritheism, okay? Three different gods, but just, uh, not just one God. And so we hold these things in tension. And I know for a lot of you, you're eating this up, and a lot of you are like, and get to something that makes a little bit more sense to me. However, these things do matter. They matter a lot. What happens if we don't hold to this belief? Well, If you don't hold to the Trinitarian doctrine, then you lose some pillars of what we believe as a church. A lot of them we just sang, you lose the deity of Christ. Remember, we talked about how Jesus is God. He claimed to be God. He is God. If you lose the Trinitarian view of of Jesus, then you lose the deity of Christ. Therefore, you lose the atonement. You lose the virgin birth. You lose all of those doctrines. And therefore, what we believe begins to erode into some sort of vanilla, neutral, weak, pluralistic type of doctrine. You see, some, some things, you, you, and I kind of picture it like this, you, you, you have this belief and you really believe this and, 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 then, and then you have this over here and, and then you, you start stacking all of these these doctrinal statements together, and at some point you look at it and you, and you back away. And you say, maybe I don't have all of the logical understanding of exactly what's going on with that, but in that tension, there's balance and there's good theology. And as you begin to read the word of God, you will see these three statements and the things that we just talked about expressed over and over and over again. You'll see it. Now, other than those of you who actually have a full understanding of the Trinity, which come and talk to me afterwards, I'd love to, to, to know. Um, <laughs> for the rest of us, this is one of those, those doctrines that you are going to look at and you'll wrestle with. But I wanna encourage you to continue to wrestle with it. A lot of times, I think this is what happens. I think we come up against certain statements or certain belief systems, and because we don't get it the first time, because we don't understand it the first time, we sort of just say, well, that's just not for me to understand. And so we walk away to something that's a little bit simpler. But I wanna encourage you in this. Don't be intimidated by things that you might not understand at first glance. You know what I'm saying? Don't be intimidated by that. I've talked to people before that, that feel like um, they just don't understand some things about God maybe the word of God. And so it's not something that drives them to learn. It's not something that that drives them to know more about God and more about his word. It's something that actually causes them to think that they just won't ever understand. And I think that the enemy tries to do that to us at times. Maybe some of you were called, you know, I mean, it might even be this this personal. You were called dumb or stupid growing up. And it's just just worked into your your belief now that you just don't have the capacity to know more about God, to know more, more about his word to study his word. If it's one verse a day that you study, that's incredible, okay? Don't allow the enemy to begin to lie to you and just say, oh, I just gotta come to church, hear the pastor teach, and I just can't understand it. Let's not do that. Y'all with me? 
Come on, what do you believe? What are you studying? What is the Lord speaking to you? And, uh, and more and more, he begins to reveal himself to us. And so one of the moments that we see the Trinity expressed in the Bible is in Matthew 3. When Jesus was baptized, verse 16, immediately he went up from the water and behold, the heavens were open to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove. I like to say like a dove again, he's not a bird and coming to rest on him. So you have the son, you have the spirit and behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. The father, the son and the spirit. Now I wanna read one quote from Louis Burkhoff about this, uh, about the Trinity, and then we're going to continue on in our, our message. He said, is it, uh, it is especially when we reflect on the relation of the three persons to the divine essence that all analogies fail us, and we become deeply conscious of the fact that the Trinity is a mystery far beyond our comprehension. It is the incomprehensible glory of the Godhead. So be encouraged today. And we believe God is one being, three persons, distinct persons, but yet one being. It's what we believe, it's what we hold to. And because of that, we can uh, continue to, uh, to believe that he is all-knowing. He's all-powerful, right? The Father, the Son, and the Spirit together. So what is the role of the Holy Spirit? The Spirit's primary role continues to be to reveal Christ to the believers and to affirm Christ's message. The primary, the primary role of the Holy Spirit. Everything that we experience with God, we experience through the Holy Spirit. All right, even knowledge of God. 1 Corinthians 2, and we have received God's Spirit so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. How do we know God? Through the Holy Spirit. Everything that you have come to know about God, every time that you've read scripture and it's come alive to you, that is the Holy Spirit working in your life, working in your heart. He is doing the work of God on this earth. So how do we know God? Again, it's our mission statement, right? By the Spirit revealing God to us. The work of grace in your life through salvation was not something that you did. You didn't even reveal Jesus to yourself. You didn't figure out the Messiah on your own. The Holy Spirit opened up that revelation to you, opened up your eyes and your ears to hear what the Spirit was speaking. And the Spirit revealed Jesus to you, right? Come on, thank Jesus. The Spirit is our helper, John 14. 16 and 17, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. He helps you to know Jesus. He reveals the gospel to you. The next thing is that the spirit convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment, and reveals Jesus to us. John 16 also says this, but very truly I say, I tell, I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. 
So I want to break down these three things of what the Holy Spirit uh, convicts us of. Verse nine, about sin, because people do not believe in me. So what he's saying is that the Holy Spirit will convict people of their sin of unbelief, just as Jesus himself had done. The sin of unbelief. Again, Tom just talked about this, the sin of unbelief. The sin of unbelief is refusing to accept Jesus and his revelation. And it's ultimately a rejection of God. Jesus actually talked about this when he, when he told his disciples, he said, he said they're gonna, basically, they're gonna reject you, but really they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting me. It's a sin of unbelief. And Jesus exposes that through the work of the Holy Spirit, exposes that uh, what is right and what is wrong. Sin, righteousness, verse 10. He'll convict us about righteousness because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. So what he's saying is, I'm about to leave you and you won't have me to set the standard for what is righteous and good. And when I, when I think about that, I think about uh, us as parents, you know, whenever we're around our kids, we're sort of setting the standard of what is good and righteous, okay? We're sort of uh, uh, telling them what to do. We're holding their hands. Um, I've said this up until the age of about five or so, maybe even more. Um, parents, you are your kid's conscience. You're really their, their God, little g, okay? But, but you're, their, you are, you're their standard of righteousness. They have no clue what's good or bad, right? You set that tone. You set that standard. But at some point, you begin to let them go because you have to. And uh, I have an eight-year-old and a two-year-old. And so um, I'm dreading what the future holds in regards to what I'm talking about right now, right? Letting them go. I have a buddy that uh, posted some Insta stories the other day. He, he documented in one day his uh, oldest daughter getting married, his first daughter. And uh, I watched it with tears in my eyes. <laughs> I was like, one day that's gonna be me. And uh, letting them go. Anyway, uh, reel it back in very emotional. But um, at some point, you have to let your kids go. And, and one thing that my mom always prayed for us, me and my two sisters, is that we would have a conscience, that the Holy Spirit would lead us and guide us into truth and into righteousness. Now, uh, the Holy Spirit didn't always guide us in righteousness, all right? We made bad choices from time to time. But what is that? It's I'm not always going to be with you to tell you this is good and this is bad. And Jesus says, I'm not always going to be here to set the standard of righteousness for you, but I am sending the spirit who will continue to, to confirm what is good and what is righteous. And we today as believers, we need the spirit of God to actually discern true righteousness. But it's a promise of what the Holy Spirit would provide is that he would convict us of righteousness. Verse 11, and about judgment. Because the prince of this world now stands condemned. Come on. He's going to convict us about judgment. If your standard of right and wrong is inaccurate, then your judgment will be inaccurate. Last week, we talked about how you see the problems is how you will see the solutions. And the spirit that influences you, your worldview to see problems and what causes those problems will also influence the solutions and what you think the answers to those problems will be. And it's the same here. If you get the standard of righteousness wrong, you will also get judgment wrong, right? 
But how many of you know that God is just? And because God is just, Jesus is also just because they're the same being and the Holy Spirit is also just. So the truth that he guides us in is good and holy and righteous. And also the judgment that is, is given is righteous, but there is not good, pure, just judgment here on this earth. We have an inability as human beings to actually have complete, perfect judgment. So why we need to be full of the Holy Spirit. To, to think like God thinks, to feel like God feels, to understand and to live like God wants us to understand and wants us to live. But Satan is the prince that is being talked about here. The prince of this world now stands condemned. So Satan is the ultimate deceiver, right? We know that from Genesis all the way through, that he is the deceiver, the great deceiver. And Satan has his thumbs sort of like on the scales of what is righteous and what is good. And in our world, and it's nothing new, justice has fallen in the streets, right? Like we have an inability to actually understand what is good and righteous and what is truly moral, especially as you begin to step into, again, more of a pluralistic, uh, pluralistic view of life. You begin to accept a lot of different things as possibilities of truth and good and, and well, what is good? I read a post uh, just yesterday of someone trying to sort of use God as a, as a crowbar to, uh, to talk to people about uh, what they believe and, and what they believe is good. And, and it was a complete misunderstanding of the nature of God. But it's coming from this viewpoint where uh, honestly, the prince of this world who now stands condemned is really the spirit that is influencing that kind of thinking. And the scales are off. So we as Christians, especially speaking to believers, like we've got to have this, this yearning, this desire to actually know truth, not to figure out truth in our own thinking, right? So for that, we need the spirit of God and we also need the word of God. He goes on to say, I have much more to say to you, more than you can bear. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the father is mine. And that is why I say, said the spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. There's so much truth. There's so much depth in these scriptures. But at the end of the day, the Holy Spirit reveals Jesus. The Holy Spirit convicts us, not only believers, but also unbelievers. He convicts us. I believe many times unbelievers experience conviction. They experience that guide that's trying to bring them back to truth. But again, we do have choices to make. And there is obedience that falls into our realm of responsibility. But the Holy Spirit, what is his role? Ultimately, again, the Spirit's primary role continues to be to reveal Christ to the believers and to affirm Christ's message. So the last question that we want to talk about today when it comes to who is the Holy Spirit is this, well, when did he come? Jesus promised the Holy Spirit. He said that he would come, but when did he actually come? If we look at Acts chapter two, this is where we see this. When the day of Pentecost came, this is about 50 days after Jesus uh, was crucified and resurrected, 50 days after the Passover. 
When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they, where they were sitting. The Holy Spirit came, and he came like a wind. It sounded like a wind, not necessarily a wind, right? In the same way that he came down like a dove, and he's not necessarily a dove, okay? But he came, and he filled the whole house where they were sitting. And it goes on to say the things that these people experienced, but this was the coming of the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity? What's his role to ultimately reveal Jesus and to empower us as believers? And when did he come? We see that he came here. He came and he is now doing what Jesus promised that he would do. He doesn't only convict unbelievers, he convicts, comforts, and confronts believers. Now today was sort of like a building block in this series. I know for a lot of you, you're like, all right, man, give me something like I could really apply today. Give me something that I can sort of like, uh, you know, like go out tomorrow with. Well, the next two weeks, we're going to talk about what the Holy Spirit does in you and what the Holy Spirit does through you. But if we don't have a proper understanding of who he is in the first place, those things are going to get really whacked out. You understand? And so, so I know that it might seem like it's moving a little slow at times. I want to encourage you to continue to, to, to get in the trench of this, this mode of thinking. I'm telling you guys, we've got to understand what we believe. We've got to understand it. We've got to believe it. And a lot of times at first glance, I know that as believers, sometimes we don't understand the importance of it. We don't understand the importance of it. And I want to encourage us to begin to look at things from a different lens, a different standpoint. So as we're talking about who the Holy Spirit is and, and, and what he does in each of your lives, I know this because I believe what the word of God says. I believe that the Holy Spirit is doing what he said he would do in this room today. He's doing it online in Ocean Springs. He's revealing and affirming who Jesus is and he's affirming Christ's message. I believe any time that Jesus is glorified, that, that people who God is drawing feel this yearning deep inside. I think for a lot of people today, in this day and age, people are searching for truth. They're searching for something to plant their feet on that feels secure, that feels tested, that doesn't feel like it's gonna change tomorrow. It's not gonna be another wind of doctrine, but it's something that we can hold fast to. And I'm telling you that I believe the best worldview that you can have is a biblical one. I believe that the best spirit that you could follow is the Holy Spirit, right? That's what I believe. So I wanna give each and every one of you today an opportunity to realign yourself with what the word of God says about who the Holy Spirit is. For some of you, you might have even seen people explain uh, the Trinity in a different way. Maybe, maybe you have questions about Jesus being some sort of created being, right? Maybe, maybe you've had people indoctrinate you with some things that, that contradict the things that we just said today. And I wanna encourage you that what we talked about today is biblical. It's sure, it's true. 
And so for some of you, you might have felt yourself drifting into some of these other belief patterns. And in this time, for you, it'd be a great time to, to maybe repent of some of those things, to repent. Come on, we repent of even being deceived. We repent of unbelief. And we realign ourselves with what the word of God says. And so let's bow our heads and close our eyes. God, today, we open up our hearts to you. Lord, there's a lot of different concepts, a lot of different doctrines that are floating around. And God, so many times we're, we're just unaware of even what those things are. God, we, we get influenced by different ways of viewing who you are, by viewing your attributes, by, by viewing your nature. And so today, God, we need your spirit to fill us, to guide us, to correct us. So today, God, we believe that you are God and that you are good. We believe that you are holy and we know that your spirit is the same. So God, in our hearts right now, I pray that you do a deep work. If you're far away from God right now, but you feel like God is just confirming some things in you. Maybe he's convicting you. Maybe he's saying the way that you've been living your life is, it, it's just not the best. It's not the design that I have for you. And today you wanna repent and ask God to forgive you. Maybe for some of you, you've been doing really good. You've been doing a lot of good things, but in your heart, you still feel like you're disconnected from God. And, and the reason is, is because you actually can't do enough good to get to God. You come to God with all of your bad and you lay it at his feet and you accept the righteousness that Jesus bought for you on the cross by giving his life, by becoming sin for you, taking on the sin of mankind, all of that bad, paying the price for that, for you to receive his righteousness. So today be set free from this thought process from the bondage that you might feel today of trying to attain some sort of level of holiness, put all that aside today and come to Jesus in your brokenness. And just say something like this, say, God, I surrender my heart to you. I surrender all that I am to you. The things that I'm ashamed of, that I want nobody to know about, and the things that I tout in front of everyone, I lay it all before you. And today I say that I need you. I thank you for the cross where Jesus died for my sin. I thank you that he was resurrected to new life so that I could be resurrected to new life in this life and also in eternity. I receive your salvation in Jesus' name. I wanna pray one more time for all of us together here because the Holy Spirit doesn't just convict the unbeliever, he convicts believers. And for some of you today, you believe in Jesus, but, but you haven't been living a life that glorifies Jesus. There's things in your heart and in your life that, that you really need to repent of. And I don't wanna leave a moment like this where I believe that the Holy Spirit is doing what he does without giving an opportunity for you to, to repent, to ask God to forgive you. So Lord, we, as all believers in this room, we open up our, our opinions God, we open up our, our beliefs. And God, we ask that you would continue to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
from all unrighteousness, Jesus. God, would you forgive us where we have been off? Would you realign us? God, where we have had improper attitudes. God, where there has been divisiveness in our hearts. Holy Spirit, would you convict us? God, I pray that as a church, that we would continue to lift you up, that we, we would continue to glorify you. God, that we would operate out of the spirit of God that's in our lives, in our hearts. Jesus, let us go out into this community this week and God, let us bring light into dark places. Let us represent you well. Let us go in power. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's stand to our feet. We're gonna end today by declaring the song that we sang earlier about how we believe in God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And so in light of the things that we've talked about, I want you today to express your heart to Jesus. I want you to sing loud and declare these truths. Y'all with me? Come on, let's sing. I believe in God our Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection. those of you who are new with us this morning that I was going to give you some, a little bit more information on this card. I hope you're able to see it during the message. But if you're new with us, I want to connect with you personally this week and uh, just fill it out real quick. And what I'm going to do is if you want me to email you, I'll email you. If you want a text message, a text message. I'm not going to spam you or bother you or anything. I just want to engage in a conversation with you and help you know a little bit more about Northwood Church. Um, for those of you who maybe prayed that prayer with Pastor George just a minute ago, maybe you are watching online and prayed that, welcome to the family. The universal family of God, you just joined uh, a new family and, and made a step in a whole new direction in life. 
your life literally just changed and I want to help you take that next step in this journey that you just began. So same thing, fill out that card, say, I've just decided to follow Jesus and I'm going to help you take that next step and let you know a little bit about what you can do in that, in that new relationship with Jesus. So, hey guys, our Northwood family, this is not for you guests now, for our Northwood family, um, I want to thank you guys for continuing to give of your time, your talents, your treasures. Um, there's two ways to give on the screen behind me, but just thank you so much from the bottom of our hearts, from the staff to you guys. You guys are doing an amazing job at making this an amazing church. We couldn't do it without you. Um, also, I want to uh, highlight our prayer team. You know, maybe, you know, Pastor Jordan, I, I loved how he, he extended the invitation to those of you who may be challenged in a special way this morning where uh, you, you, God's working on your heart in a, in a certain way. And maybe you just need some prayer, someone to agree with you in prayer. We have an amazing team. They're coming up right now up here at the front. Um, if there's anything on your heart that you would like prayer about, just come on up right after we dismiss. Pray with them. We do ask that you wear a mask since we'll be in close proximity for a few minutes, uh, but make yourself available to them. Also, last thing, and I'll let you go. Next week is our impact night. Remember how we said we moved it from the beginning of the month to the middle? It's going to be next Sunday evening up at our Wiggins location. So there's going to be some details coming out uh, later this week about carpooling. So don't worry. You all don't need to drive all the way up to Wiggins and back, then back up and back, okay? We're going to help you out with your kids, all right? So seventh through twelfth grade next week. Um, just set that aside in the calendar and you'll get more details on that in the middle of the week. All right. You all have a great week. We'll see you later.